Welcome to the Anchored Hope Podcast. We're so glad that you decided to join us today. Today's series is If Money Could Talk, Part 3, Knowing Where It's Going, featuring Michael Davis. Well, we are finishing up this series today, and, and like I said, I, have, I always appreciate uh, when you tell me, hey, I listened to you, I heard you, God spoke to me, and I'm doing something about it. It's been phenomenal. Um, some of you guys have literally quit your jobs <laughs> over the last couple weeks and been like, you know what? You're right. I have been so stressed out. I have been so frustrated with my work, and you know what? I, the only thing that's holding me back is I need to make my money serve me instead of me serving my money. That's terrific, right? That's awesome. Uh, some of you guys are have like refinanced your houses. Some of you have told me, like, dude, I'm, we're selling our car this week. You're right. We don't need this. I'm selling my car. I'm getting a used car. I'm going to start riding a bike. bike. I'm going to do that. You know, I mean, you guys have made some really, really cool decisions, and I really appreciate hearing that. And so hopefully today we, we can finish up this series, and it speaks volumes to your life and, and helps you, uh, it makes your life better and helps you be better at life. And so um, we've been in this series talking about money. We've been talking about if money was for you, what would it say? Assuming money was for you, if money could talk to you, what is it that money would say? And so, so far in this series, we've covered a couple different things. We said, uh, if money could talk to us and was for us, it would say, I can add meaning to your life, but I'm not the meaning of life, right? Life is all about being a means to an end, and, and money can help us be a means to an end, but being more rich, having more stuff, that's not, that's not the meaning of life. That's not the end of life, right? Being a means to an end is what gives life meaning. And guess what? When you serve other people with your money, when you give your money away, you can do that for somebody else. I told you the story last week about Bo uh, getting this bonus and donating $1,000 to our kids' curriculum so we can be able to uh, buy our youth a brand new year's worth of curriculum. We were able to get that this week. I mean, that's awesome. And some of you guys, you've done different stuff for different people and you've told me about. It. And it's, it's phenomenal what you've done with your money, how you've used it to be a means to an in for somebody else. But your money, it would also say this. We talked about this last week. It said, I'm a better servant than a master. Your money should serve you. You shouldn't serve your money. And here's the thing. Your money can become your Lord. It can become your master. When it starts telling you what you have to do, when it starts telling you how you're going to spend your money, when it's in charge of you, when it's not something that you trust to God, it becomes a master in your life. And what we talked about was this. We talked about your self-control, right? And we said money would say your self-control determines which of us gets control. We all need to find a way to show self-control, to become disciplined, to be able to make our money uh, work for us, to master that and make sure that God is the only Lord, the only one that we're depending on for, for peace and happiness and, and prosperity. Because really, in the end, whose money is it? And that's what we're going to talk about today. But first, I want to teach you a, a principle. Okay, And the principle is this. It's easier to stay warm than to get warm. Did you know this? Northerners know this, okay? Uh, Jason Realpel, he, he, he would know this, right? Because he's a northerner, right? It's easier to stay warm than it is to get warm. It takes way more effort to, 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 to stay warm. But if you let yourself go cold or if you're freezing, it, it takes a lot more effort for your body to get 
warm. So guys, you you can use this on your spouse tonight, all right? Say, hey, honey, you know, are you warm? Well, let me help you stay warm, okay? Uh, But it's far more easy to stay warm than to get warm. I'm just making sure you're paying attention, okay? And here's the thing. When it comes to your money, that principle still applies. If your money could speak to you, your money would say something like this. Your money would say, I'm easy to keep up with, but I'm difficult to catch up with, right? I'm easy to keep up with, but I'm really, really difficult to catch up with. Another way to say it is this. You need to keep up or you'll have to play catch up. And some of you know exactly what that looks like in your life. You've come to times in your life where you didn't keep up and then all of a sudden you had to catch up. You found out you were in debt. You found out you were close or you were in bankruptcy. You found out that you, you didn't have enough money to pay your apartment bill or your house bill or your electric bill or your water bill. And what did you say? In those moments, you say things like this. That can't be right. How can that be? How much did we spend? I'm not sure, right? I mean, we've all been guilty of saying things like this. And here's the thing. If you have found yourself in a place where you were surprised about your money, then you have a problem that needs fixing. Because the thing is that when it comes to money, there should not be any mystery. It's dollars and it's cents. It's math, okay? Two plus two, it equals four. We wouldn't go, what? It equals four? I didn't know that. Why? Because it's math. It adds up. There shouldn't be any mystery to money. You can have mystery in so many areas of your life, okay? There's, there's mysteries to love. There's mysteries to relationship. You can have mystery in the bedroom. I don't care, all right? But you cannot have mystery when it comes to your money. Another way of saying it is this, is we should all be knowing where our money is a-going, okay? There's going to be a lot of Dr. Seuss stuff today, okay? We should all be knowing where our money is a-going, okay? We have to. We have to know exactly where it is going because if you don't know where it's going, you eventually find yourself in a place where you have to catch up. And when you don't know where your money is going, you know what happens? You begin to spin out of control and you know what you lose? You lose your peace of mind, right? I mean, again, Christian or non-Christian, we can all agree on this part so far, is that when you don't know where your money is going and you have to play catch up with your money, you start to feel like you're out of control. You start to feel like your money, the bank, the credit card company, they have just become your master. They have just become your boss. And you start to feel out of control. You begin to stress out. That's one of the biggest stressors on a relationship is money. And it's not because money is stressful. It's because we've chosen not to master money. We've chosen to let it become our master. So we all have to be knowing where our money is is going. Now, this is where a lot of people go, and exactly right, and that's why you need a budget, right? We need a budget, but here's the thing. Truth is, and we, I think we all know this, right? A, a, a budget is, it is great. I'm not dissing budgets, okay, so, so hear me out and hear me out all the way to the end of the sermon. I'm not dissing budgets. I think budgets are a really good thing. The problem is, is a budget is a theory that really, rarely reflects reality, okay? When you sit down and you write a budget, you are predicting the future, okay? 
And guess what nobody can do? Nobody can predict the future, okay? You can, you can approximate. You can come really, really close, and I think it's a good thing to do. I think a budget is a great tool to get out of debt. I think a, a budget is a great tool to, to be able to get control of your finances. But we're going to talk about something a little bit more dynamic. And, and, and a budget, we all know this, right? We've, we've all lived this story before. Some of you, you, you budget to a T. But we all know we can't predict the future. And so it's really hard because then guess what? I mean, you can't predict that after church somebody's going to invite you to lunch, Right? You can't, you can't predict that. I mean, you couldn't have predicted a month ago that we were going to have a, a, a baby shower for, for Hunter, Hunter and Casey, and you were going to have to, to buy a gift, right? I mean, you couldn't predict that, you know, you, you didn't even know it was coming up, that, that Bo was turning 32, and the whole church was going to buy him buttless chaps. And you were like, oh, well, I, I want to be a part of that, right? I mean, you can't, you can't predict that kind of stuff. And that's happened, okay, just in the last 48 hours. I'm just letting you know that's what's happened. Uh, but you can't predict this kind of stuff, right? And so for a lot of us, here's, here's the life that you live, okay? It's you write a budget, you try to predict the future, you don't know exactly what happened or what's going to happen, things pop up, and then you look at the end of the month, you, you look at your budget and we go, well, we didn't do that, <laughs> right? And so that budget, what do you do? You, you crumple it up or it goes back in the file and you go, well, we, we didn't do it, but we'll try again, right? Uh, budgets are difficult, and again, it's a great tool, and some of you, you use it really, really well, right? You know about opportunity costs, and you move things around to make things possible, but the thing is, is that we need something much, much more dynamic. We need something more simple, especially when we're first starting out, because budgets can be frustrating. Budgets, usually, we're, we're doomed to fail unless we're running like a business, right? But again, I'm talking about a personal budget, like a, a, a business budget, right? But you have, to, you have to find a way to know where your money is going, and you have to record it. And here's the thing about when you record it. Here's what you fi- figure out. When you record it, you know whether or not you can f- afford it, right? I mean, we've got to record our money. We've got to know where our money is going. When you record it, when you count it, where you know where your money is going, you know whether or not you can afford it. I, uh, I-, I track everything. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm a weirdo, okay? I track my sleep. I track my heart rate. I track my calories every day. I, I track my resting heart rate with this little band that I wear every single day. Um, but I also track my, my, my nutrition. And I have a friend, her name's Chelsea. She started this company a couple years ago called, uh, yeah, some of you guys know her, called Nude Nation. I know it sounds weird, okay? Um, it, her tagline is get fit, look better naked, okay? Which, let's be honest, we all want to do that, right? Uh, and so anyway, but what she does is she talks about counting your nu- nutrition, your macros, your, your protein, your carbs, and your fat. And there's several of my, my CrossFit family here who have used her and seen a great deal. But did you know, even speaking of Hunter, Hunter's like an all-star today, Hunter has been using her for a few months now, and without even a gym membership, Hunter's lost over 50 pounds. Isn't that awesome? I mean, that's great. Casey's pants have gotten tighter. Hunter's pants are getting looser. It's crazy, right? Such a weird dynamic going on in that house, right? But yeah, Hunter's lost over 50 pounds, and it's it's by counting his macros every day, shooting for a certain amount of proteins, carbs, and fats, and everything else. And here's why I love macro counting so bad is that there is no food that is, like, inherently evil, okay? You know, there's some of those diets you do that's like, you can't have ice cream ever again. No, us who count macros, we eat ice cream, okay? Here's the thing. It just has to fit, right? When it comes to counting macros, it has to fit. 
And so, like, if I'm eating, I mean, I love sushi. I love sushi. I love Hoshi. Hoshi in our town is phenomenal. We have one of the best sushi restaurants, you didn't even know, that's over there on uh, 47. Um, it's, it's phenomenal, all right? I guess what? When I know it's coming, I do my numbers, I do my counting. I make it fit. I want it to fit, right? When I'm going out for dessert or I'm going to Sugar Fire and I'm going to get my burger and my shake, I am not missing out on the shake of the month, right? I count it. I know it's coming up. I shoot for it. I do all the math. I make sure it fits. And here's, here's kind of the rule, right? It has to fit. If it don't fit, you must quit, okay? It's very simple, right? If it don't fit, you must quit. And here's the thing. This is what's so great. It, apply this to your money. It's the same thing. It just has to fit. And I believe this about money, okay? Because I don't ever want you to think that, you know, you, you know that the, the, the way to be in God's good graces, you know, the way to be like Jesus is that you just you can't ever buy anything nice for yourself, right? It's the same concept. You know, I don't, I don't believe it's bad to buy a camper. I don't believe it's bad to go on a vacation to the Bahamas. Yeah, now, now you're all saying amen, right? You know, I don't think it's bad to buy yourself a new flat screen. That, it's not bad to have a truck, guys, okay? Or it's not bad to have a car either. Uh, but, you know, you, it's not, those things are not inherently bad. It's just the problem is, is it has to fit. If it fits, then great. If you live by a kingdom model of give, save, live, and if that fits after you give and after you save and you can live and it fits, then go for it. Go bananas. Do whatever you want. You know how long it took me to fit this new tattoo that I got? I had to do like three months of extra personal training of some of you in the room. I'm not going to say who. But, I mean, I had to do that to be able to make this fit, to make this possible for my money. And that's the thing. It just has to fit. But if it doesn't fit, then you have to quit. And here's the truth, and you know this. Some of you guys spend your money, and you have no idea if it fits. Right? You just buy and you, you you rationalize it with yourself you tell yourself but it was a deal it was but it was amazon prime day <laughs> yeah oh, now we're hitting the soul right you know but it was amazon prime day but it was tax-free weekend oh but there's so many good deals right now right but here's the thing you didn't even do the math you don't even know if it fits and here's the thing you've got to know where your money is going and here's the great thing. Again, we're not even to the Christian part of this, right? We're just talking from a practical sense, right? Here's the great thing about this, is that in the years where you struggle, this habit, it takes the pressure off. And we all enter into those seasons, right? We all enter into those times of our life where life changes, things happen. And if you're in the habit of knowing where your money is going, you know how to pivot, you know how to change. You know how to adapt. And so then you're not surprised at the end of the month when the credit card statement says what the credit card statement says. You're not surprised when you get that bill in the mail and you go, wait a minute, how much did that cost? How much did we spend? What's going on with my money? In the years of struggle, this habit takes the pressure off. I remember one of the first times Kate told me that we couldn't afford that. It's when we had Olivia. Because I didn't understand how much kids cost, right? And she was like, you can't, you can't get those wrestling pay-per-views anymore. That's over. And I said, excuse me? I work hard for this money. You know, you've all had that discussion, right? And she's like, do you want to know how much we spend on diapers? And she showed me. 
And I was like, oh my goodness, I didn't know where my money was going. Needless to say, Olivia was potty trained in two weeks, and I was back to ordering WWE pay-per-views. Then she got pregnant again, and we had a boy, and that thing is stupid. Girls are so much smarter than boys, and so we're still working on that one. But anyway, it helped take the pressure off. When we were in the habit of knowing where our money was going, it takes the pressure off when you struggle. But now here's the other thing, right? In the years where you have plenty, this habit puts the pressure on. Now, this is where what we're going to talk about today is so much more dynamic than just a budget. Because budgets are good. Budgets serve their purpose in one realm or one area of our life. But we have to take it a step further. For those of us who are Christian, for those of us who want to make God our master and not let money master us, we have to take it a step further. And the thing is, is in the years of plenty, this habit puts the pressure on. Because even when you have plenty and you know where your money is going, you have to be accountable for where that, is, where that money is going. Kate's favorite app on the Discover, we have a Discover card, it's the only credit card we have. Her favorite app on there, uh, part of that app, is the Spin Analyzer. Have any of you guys looked at your Spin Analyzer? Oh, don't. Okay, it's bad. There's a spin analyzer. You can hit a button, and it'll make a little wheel. Remember those old pie charts in school? You know, It'll make a wheel, and it'll color code everything that you spent. It'll categorize money. It'll er, categorize food. It'll categorize stores. It'll categorize uh, bills that you paid, and it'll put it all on this wheel. And so Kate loves to go look at that. And I never, never forget, she chewed me out one time. She came, she came to me, and she goes, do you know how much you spent at Starbucks this month? No, no, I don't. But I know they have a new app, and it's quite nice, right? <laughs> she, she got out to spend it. And I mean, it was, it's so embarrassing. I'm not even going to tell you how much I spent one month at Starbucks. I'm going to replace the amount with a bleep, okay? This is the first time we're going to have to bleep the sermon out, all right? She goes, you spent bleeping dollars at bleeping Starbucks. Okay, that's a different bleep, right? Uh, <laughs> you spent bleeping dollars at Starbucks this month. And you know what my response was? My response was, and I was right. I go, but we can afford it. We can afford it. it we're, not, we're paying our credit card. We've never had a month where we haven't paid our card, credit card bill off. We can afford it. And you know, she goes, but she goes, but that money could have gone so many other places. We could have given bleeping dollars to somewhere else than bleeping Starbucks. And that's the thing, is in the years where you have plenty, this habit puts the pressure on. Because even when you're not in debt, even when you are financially stable, we all as Christians should know where our money is going. Because here's the thing, it's not, we're not just talking about being financially stable and having a peace of mind. What we're talking about is this, is taking account, go ahead and, yep, taking account for when you have to give an account. Because here's the thing, at the end of your life, you are going to have to give an account for everything that you spent, for all of your money. And Matthew, he recorded this story where Jesus actually talks about this. 
There was a story where, you know, like I said, Jesus talked about money. 15% of everything that Jesus said, he talked about. 16 of his 38 parables, his sermon illustrations, were about money. He was so, so serious about money. Money was just such an easy, practical tool to be able to help people gauge where they were in the relationship with Christ. And so this is what Jesus says. And this is a long parable. I'm not going to read the whole parable to you. It's so well known. Some of you know it. And if you would love to read or study something this week in your devotions, go read all of Matthew 25. But I'm just going to, I'm going to give you the cliff notes and I'm going to give you the, the first part because the first part is what really opens our mind to everything. Jesus said, again, it will be like a man. He's talking about the kingdom of God. He's trying to explain the kingdom of God to everybody. He says, again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. He explains the kingdom of God, and clearly God is the man. God is the man going on a journey. And who are we in the story? We're the servants, right? And he says, the master, the man, he entrusted whose money? His money. To whom? The servants, right? And this is something huge, okay? If there's nothing else you get out of this series, I want you to get this out of this series, okay? And it's this. It's not your money, okay? And I know that is so hard for you because this is what you tell your spouse all the time, okay? This is why people love having separate bank accounts, okay? Which, you know, I'm against, but some people make it work. That's fine. But it's not your money, but even it's not just your money as in in your marriage, but it's not even your money personally. It's God's money. Amen. You're just a manager. This is not your wealth. This is not something you earned. This is not even something that you deserve. You deserve nothing in life. You are just a manager. So when Jesus tells this parable, he tells them, this is what the kingdom of God Looks like I, God, or God, the Father, He is the man. He is the master. And you, you're the servants. And everything that you have is just stuff on loan. It's stuff that He's entrusted to you. And here's the thing. What, is, what do we all know about managers? Managers, they don't, take, they don't take ownership. It's not theirs, but they feel what? They feel responsible Managers feel responsible for how much of it? For all of it, right? This is why, you know, it, it, we don't, we don't maybe you noticed this, maybe you didn't. We don't use the word tithe around here. I don't talk about tithe. You know, and, and there's a lot of reasons for that. There's really two of them, but I mean, I can get into a really complicated reason for it, but it's very simple. Number one, tithe is an old covenant concept. We're a new covenant church who, fo who follows Jesus and saved by his grace, right? But the other reason is because Jesus never talked about tithe. Jesus talked about something completely different. Jesus didn't come in and say, well, 100% of it is yours, and if you could give 10% of it, God would really like that. But that's how many of us grew up. That's how many of us live. That's how the, even the principle that some of us follow, right? It's what we heard. Is 100% of it is yours, and if you're a really, really good Christian, you'll give 10% of it to God, and he'll, he'll go, oh, thank you so much. You gave me a dollar out of your 10. You gave me 10 out of your 100. You gave me 100 out of your 1,000. Now, none of us go any further than that, right? 
because there's something crazy about that third zero in there, right? And so we know it stops there because we stop at that because that would just be too ridiculous. And I grew up in church. I'm a pastor's kid. And I grew up around a lot of people who tithe, which, which is great, but who tithe because they thought that it earned them something. Who tithed because they thought that they were paying off God, that 100% of it was theirs, and if they gave 10% of it, God applauded them, and God blessed them, and God took care of them, and nothing bad was ever going to happen to them. But here's the other thing I know about Christians, is that Christians would stop at that 10%. Because I would be with Christians on mission trips, or I would be with Christians in the city, and we would pass a homeless man who would be begging for food or begging for money, and they would walk by him like they were invisible. And I'd say, well, what's up with that? And they'd say, I don't give my money to people like that. I give my money to the church. Really? Okay. Well, that's one way to look at it, and that's one way to do it. But the thing is, is that as a new covenant church, as Christians today who follow Christ, when we look at the teachings of Jesus, Jesus said, none of it is yours. You're just a manager, and you are managing his money. And again, I told you guys the very first week, I give based off a percentage, but it's not because I can be a good Christian, because we give every single week based off of percentage, but we also give extra, because we know it's not about the 10%. That just helps us gauge whether we know or not that we are generous people. That's a starting point for us. And we don't even give 10%, we give 15%. Not because of anything in the Bible, but because we know, we think that living off of 85% of what we bring in is enough. That we don't need to live off anymore. We don't need 90%. So in our hearts, Kate and I, we are fine giving away 15% of everything that we, we bring in. Because it's not about old covenant laws and regulations. It's about managing His money well. We have to track it. And see, here's the thing. I said you got to know, you got to be knowing where your money is going. But, but here's the thing. The reason that you really need to do it as a Christian, the reason that you need to know where your money is going is we should all be knowing where our master's money is going. Because at the end of your life, you are going to have to give an account for how you spent, not your money, but how you spent his money. When I was a teenager and I didn't have a job, um, you know, I'd go out with my friends and I'd ask my dad for money, right? Me and my, me and my friends, we're going to go to the movies, right? We're going to go see a movie. We're going to go to the mall. Um, and, you know, we're going to go to dinner. And so I'd ask my dad, hey, dad, can I have some money? Because, you know, I'm 14. I don't have any money, right? Dad, can I have some money? And my dad, you know, he'd get in his wallet, you know, and maybe it'd be a surprise or something else, and he'd give me a 20. And I don't know what your dad did or your parents did, but my dad, it didn't matter what he gave me. He always said the same thing. He would always say this, I expect change. Can you, there you go. I expect change. He would always tell me that, which was my dad's way of saying, don't spend this all, Okay. He was always like, I only have a 20. I can't give you the exact change. So he would always just give me a 20, and he'd say, I expect change. And I knew that that meant when I got home, I was going to have to do some explaining, and I was going to have to give an account of everything I spent. You know, So I'd go out with my friends, and I'd come home, and I'd give him his change. I'd give him like 350, and he would always look at it like it was, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like 350. I sent you a movie. 
And he would always ask me, he's like, so where's the rest? <laughs> like, like I had it in my back pocket hiding from him, you know what I mean? And he'd be like, so where's the rest? And I'd be like, well, so, and I'd have to give an account. I'd have to explain it because he knows, okay, the, mo- the movie was seven fifty. Where's the rest of it? You know what I mean? And I'd be like, well, the money was seven fifty, but, you know, we went with that girl, Mary, and she's really cute. You know, and so what I did, Dad, was I bought her ticket too, you know, and, you know, because she's really cute and all. So I took your money and I, I spent, spent it on Mary's ticket too, you know, and I have to give an account. I have to explain it. Here's what I want you to think about, okay? Think about this. At the end of your life, God, the master, is going to sit down with you, the money manager. And he's going to say, all right, so how did we do? Show me, show me what you did. How'd you, how'd you spend my money? Let's, let's look at the spend analyzer. Let's see where you put it all. And we're going to have to explain ourselves. We're going to have to explain to God what we did with all the money that we have. And make no, make no you know, mistake about it. I know even those of us who struggle, we have more than most people in the world. If most people in the world knew what we made, they would be shocked. They'd say, you must, your wildest dreams must have come true. And we go, nope, that's nope. I don't even have the newest iPhone. You know, it's terrible, right? But think about this. At the end of your life, you're going to have to sit down and God's going to go, so what did we do? And God's going to get sit down with us. He's going to go, my God, you spent how much on that? How much did you spend? Yeah, on Starbucks. Be quiet. I, I can't see you because it's dark in here, but I will. Don't even start with me. Fine, we'll use Mike's stuff. Starbucks. How much did we spend on Starbucks? Yeah, God's going to keep me accountable for that, all right? But God's going to go, how much, did you sp- how much did you spend on Amazon? You spent, you spent so much on Amazon. Every single day you came home, and there was a package at the doorstep, and you didn't even know what it was. It was like Christmas. You're like, Amazon came today? I don't even know what I ordered. It's like Christmas. I'm going to open it up. Oh, that's right, right? You spent how much on Amazon? You spent how much at Walmart? You spent how much at that store? You spent how much doing that? And how long did that last? And how long did that keep you happy? And then God's going to look at us and go, do you know what you could have done with that? Accumulated over time, if you just wouldn't have spent that on that, do you know the lives you could have changed? Do you know the means to an end you could have been for somebody else had you not spent it on that and had you given it elsewhere? And you're going to say what you would say to anybody else, what you would say to me if I called you out. And you go, yeah, but it's my money. And God's going to look at you and go, oh, really, 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 really? Your money, huh? It's yours. You worked hard at it. You opened those opportunities. You you provided for your family. You made sure the lights were on. You took care of your health. And you were working in the background. And you did all that. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't know you didn't need me for all that. Think about it. So here's what I want to challenge you to do. I already gave you a challenge last week. But I want to give you a new challenge. For two months. I told you this. For two months, choose a percentage of your income and give it away as soon as you get paid. Remember, me kingdom living is live, save, give. And look, I don't know what anybody in this room gives, okay? Our, our, our crystal, our treasurer looks at that, all that. I don't see your checks. I don't go up after church and count the money. I don't know what anybody in this room gives. But I do know that many of us don't even know what percentage we're giving away. 
I do know that. Because I do know that even based on an average income, we should be doing so much better than we currently are. Choose a percentage that you're going to give away. And again, I don't even care if it's church. You give it to somebody else. That's on your conscience. That's on your. I'm not going to be standing next to God, going, "Yep, that's right, God. You get them right." All right, okay. That's not my role. That's not what I'm going to be doing. Okay, it's between you and God. But I'm telling you now, and so now you got no excuse. But here's the other thing I want you to do. I want you to document your spending. I want you to document your spending. I want you to know where your money, where your master's money, is going. And I want you to think. I want you to come at the end of this month, just start in July. July is almost over. Okay, start at the end of this month. Take out whatever it is you want to do. Take out your checkbook. Take out your spend analyzer. Take out that app. There's so many different ways to, to find out where all your money is going. And I want you to look at what you put your money into and who you gave your money away to. And then I want you to imagine that God is on the other side of that kitchen table and going, really? So that's... That's what you did with my money. That's how you managed my money. Do you know you gave that money to some companies that are so far away from my kingdom, that destroy families, that are so harmful to other people? That's what you decided to man put my money into? That's where you decided to invest? Companies and businesses that are so polar opposite of what I'm trying to do in the world. And that's who you wanted to give your money to. Just imagine that God is there. And yeah, you know what? You're like, but I don't want to feel bad. Well, you know what? Sometimes in life, we need to feel a little bad and we need to feel a little guilty because when we get to heaven, there's not going to be any second chances. And so I don't know about you, but for me, sometimes I take that and I go, you know what? I need to feel this now. I need to live in this tension. I need to deal with this right now because it's better that I deal with it now while I have time to make some changes than before I become for the Lord and it's too late. So go ahead now and have that conversation before you have to have it with him face to face because it's going to be way easier now to change than it is going to be when you meet him. But document it. Document it. Now, here's what I know is going on in the room right now, okay? I feel it, all right? All right you guys, some of you are even throwing me under the bus. It was someone over here to the left side, okay? Stuart, I know it was you. Anyway, um, one of you, especially if you're married, if you're married right now, one of you hates me and one of you loves me, okay? Like one of you wants to run up here and give me a hug, and the others of you are like, I hate this church. I'm so going to Journey Church next week. Like that's it. That was the last straw, right? Because here's the thing. You know that I'm right, okay? When you get emotional, listen to your emotions. Why are you angry? There's a reason you're angry, and it's not because I'm wrong because you know there's something to what I'm telling you. And trust me, I understand it, because guess what? If I were sitting in your seats, I'd be the one angry. Because as I've clearly displayed and told you my stories, I'm the one who doesn't like to look. You know why? Because if I don't look, I don't know. And if I don't know, I can't feel bad. And that sounds pretty good to me, right? See, you're giggling because you're like me. But you're married to somebody like me who wants to look and wants to do better. But you're like, I don't want to look. Uh-uh. I know what it is. It's bad. I don't want to look. Because if you look, you're embarrassed, right? 
But like I said, it is better to look now and to change things in your life than to the later on. Because later on, we won't have a second chance. Later on, we're going to be before God. We're going to be before, before the Master, and we're going to have to explain it. And then what He determines, that's it. So make changes now. Look at it now. Live in that tension now before it's too late. And here's the thing, right? This is, this is the thing. We've been talking about this the entire time. Some of you guys, man, yeah, it's so funny to me, Christians. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're a wild, weird bunch. I mean, somebody should write a book on us, right? Because Christians, you, got, you know, Christians, you guys get hung up on so many verses, right? Like, it only takes one verse. Some of you guys, you get hung up on one verse, and like, that's your life verse. And that one verse that says that one thing, you're like, I am putting my full trust in this, right? I mean, some of us who just like, you know, we're like grace, 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 love, love, love. Nothing bad's going to happen to me, right? Like sometimes I'll throw a challenge out there and you'll be like, no, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. And there's no way I'll ever be out of God's grace because he loves me and he loves me and he loves me and he loves me. Okay, I love that you love that one verse and that that one verse has given you so much hope and so much peace and so much confidence in the way you live. But here's the thing, when it comes to money, it's 15% of everything Jesus ever said. And I've never met a single Christian who's ever shown me a money verse and been like, this is my life verse. <laughs> there's, this, there's not just one verse, there's like 16 of them that say this. So I know for a fact, Pastor, that I'm, I am definitely a money manager. I am not the owner, right? Nobody's ever told me that because Christians pick and choose what they want to believe, and they pick and choose what they want to believe what works for them. Let's be honest, right? We do it. We do it all the time, and we'll grab that one verse that works for me. But here's the thing. You've put your faith and trust in so many things that Jesus said even one time. And so here's my question for you. My question is this, why would we not lean just as heavily on what Jesus says about money as what he said about grace, love, forgiveness, and eternity? We lean so much into these verses. We memorize them. We know them by heart. We know exactly where they are. We tattoo them on our body. Why would we not lean just as heavily in what he said about money? Because it affects you. Because you'd have, you'd have to actually do something. Because let's be honest, it's way easier to give Jesus your heart than it is to give Jesus your money. Because Jesus goes, I want your heart. And you're like, great God, take it. <laughs> Where's it at? It's imaginary. Okay, here Lord. And he goes, what about your money? No, that's in my back pocket and I know how much is there. That's, that's, that's real. Yeah, and you know, that's crazy that Jesus would want something real from you. Well... Imagine that, that Jesus would want something real and tangible that you use every day that affects how you live. Huh. And here's the truth, and you know this to be true. And I'll tell you exactly how you know this to be true. You know this to be true. How we manage money speaks volumes about who and whose we are. And you know that to be true, besides the people who just said amen. You know this to be true, because think about it for a minute. Everybody in this room has known a person who had a little, who had a middle, and who had a lot. And you knew that they were the real deal. You know, you know how you knew they were the real deal? By what they did with their money. 
People like Bo Burgess. When you heard that story last week of how Bo got a bonus of $1,000 and he handed it over to the church in order for us to provide curriculum for our kids for the last year, every single one of you heard that story and you were like, Bo's a good guy. Bo's a great guy. Man, that's a, that's, Bo is the real deal. How do you know Bo's the real deal? You don't even know how many times he shows up to church. You don't even know if he prays at night. You don't even know how often he reads his Bible. You don't know anything about Bo, but you know what he did with his money, and that's enough for you. Hmm, funny thing about that, huh? Because you've seen somebody do that. You've had somebody provide for your family when it, you couldn't. You've seen somebody take care of you. You've seen somebody do something for somebody they didn't even know. And you looked at that person, and you're like, that's the real deal right there. Man, look at that. Did you see what they did? Did you see how much money they gave away? Did you see what they did? That's the real deal. How do you know they're the real deal? Because money will tell you. Because how you, what you do with your money tells a lot about who and whose you are. And we all know that to be true. So, to wrap this up, because I think someone's going to kill me today. <laughs> if your money could talk. Yeah, yeah. I'm going on vacation this week, so good luck finding me, all right? If your money could talk, it would say, I'm a means, not an end. It would say, I'm a tool and a test. It would say, I can add meaning to your life, but I'm not the meaning of life. And it would say this to you. It would say, I'm a better servant than a master. And it would say, I'm easy to keep up with, but I'm difficult to catch up with. And if your money could talk, it would say, what you choose to do with me speaks volumes about who and whose you are. I'm going to invite the band to come back up and uh, to sing probably my favorite worship song right now. Uh, it's amazing. And, and, and the, the words of the song is, too, you're too good not to believe. You're too good not to believe. Written by Brandon Lake. Uh, he did it with... Uh, Bethel Church and, and, and Dante from Maverick City. It's, a, it's an amazing, amazing song. But, but here's what I love. Is that when we look at this, when we, when we look at God and we look at our experiences with God and we look at the stories of other people with God, when we start to add up how good God is, I mean, God is so good. He, he's too good not to believe. Like, I know there's things in your life, money, you're on the fence Right? You're on the fence about your money. You're on the fence about trusting God with your money. For some of you, like this is the last thing. Like you trust God with your eternity. You trust God with your pain. Like you've given all of yourself to God. But when it comes to your money, you're like, no, 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 no. I, I, that, that you can't have. That I can't trust you with. But here's the thing. When you start to hear the stories of what God has done, what, what, how God can take what He's given you to manage and how when you manage it well, the means to an end it can have, the impact it can have on other people and how that impact can impact you, then I'm, it's, He's too good not to believe. He's too good not to trust. I mean, here's the thing. I know you got to lose and you got to sacrifice and you got to give to experience it. But let me tell you something from somebody who's lived it. 
is that when you do, God does something in your life. God adds meaning. It adds meaning to your life. It adds value to your life. You feel like your life has a purpose because you feel like, man, I'm not just working and devouring and spending this money. Like, I'm taking what I've, what, what I've been given, what I've been given to manage, and I'm using it well. And you know what? That gives you the sense of, of pride. I'm proud of my life. I'm using my life to be a means to an end. I'm using my life to make a difference. I'm I'm taking what God has given me, and it's very clear who and whose I am because I'm showing it, because I can show you. I can give you the facts. I can give you the stats. I can tell you where the money is going, and I can tell you that I'm living what I'm supposed to live. And I can show you that I'm not living for my kingdom. I'm living for God's kingdom. For some of you, it's the, la- it's, it's the big thing. It's the big elephant in the room between you and God. And again, I'm not campaigning for the church. I'm trying to help you at the end of your life for when you have to give an account for what you are accountable for. What are you going to do? What are you going to say? Are you going to be embarrassed? Or are you going to be proud? That is between you and God. I have nothing to do with it. I'm just the messenger. But you've got to face this. And you've got, to, you've got time. You've got time to do something with it now. What are you going to do? And if you don't do anything, God's going to bring you back to this very moment and go, I told him, and he told, he asked you the question I wanted you to ask. What are you going to do? And what did you do? You had that chance. I gave you that moment. I spoke to you, and I gave you that gift. What did you do with it? You heard the words. You knew in your heart that anger that you felt, that tension you felt. You knew what you needed to do, but you did nothing about it. Don't. Don't. Don't squander it. Don't miss it. Don't fight God. That is not a fight you want to have. Do it for you. Do it for your soul. Do it for the people who are waiting on you, who are looking for you, the people that you could impact, the means to an end you could have in somebody else's life. Don't just do it for you. Do it for your kids because your kids are watching you. Your, your kids' habits are going, are your habits. You're teaching them. Change, change the direction of your life. Change the direction of your family tree. Be who Christ has called you to be. He's too good not to trust. And he's too good not to believe. If you'd like to leave a donation, please visit anchoredhope.church forward slash give. If you'd like to speak with someone from Anchored Hope, please visit anchoredhope.church forward slash high. Thank you for listening and God bless.